Today is Wednesday, June the 22nd, 2022, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. On today's show, we continue along the top five series, guys. Today, I'm talking top five best defensive linemen in Carolina football history. Guys, first things first, I'll read off your listener responses, and then I'll list my top five and my reasoning behind each of my selections. Also, guys, we have got a fantastic conversation with Anthony Treesh of Pro Football Focus. Because I pick his brain on his thoughts on South Carolina football, including Shane Beamer, the addition of Spencer Rattler, outlook for the 2022 football season, and much, much more. Guys, we have got a packed show for you here on this Wednesday. And of course, as always, it's brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. And when you do, use the promo code SPURSUP save $20 off your first purchase of any purchase of $50 or more. Guys, whatever you need tickets to, they have got it, whether it be concerts, comedy club events, of course, sporting events, you name it, they've got it. They've also got what's called a deal score, which is going to help put money back in your pocket and make sure you're getting the most bang for your buck. They're going to tell you exactly where you're sitting, how much you're paying. So again, you have all the confidence you need when you click that buy button. So again, guys, that's our friends over at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app go to seatgeek.com and when you do use the promo code spurs up that's s-p-r-s-u-p to save twenty dollars off your first purchase of any purchase of fifty dollars or more let's get it we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It has felt like summer in the city of dreams the last couple of months or so. We can now sit here and say officially we are into the summer months, the summer days, and the days now begin to get shorter and shorter 
and shorter as we sit now just 73 days away until toe meets leather at Williams-Brice Stadium. Talking season just around the corner as we endure the hellacious temperatures in the state of South Carolina and prepare ourselves for yet another kickoff this fall at Williams-Brice Stadium. Folks, happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show. As always, we have got a lot to get into, a pack show. And I hope this show does find you well, no matter where you are, what you are doing here on this beautiful Wednesday. First things first, guys. If you did tune into SEC Unfiltered yesterday or the Daily Crow, I do want to apologize for the technical issues, the technical difficulties that we had. If you are familiar with MacBooks, there is a USB adapter that you need to plug in the USB, which goes to the interface, which of course connects to the microphone. And that piece of equipment started to short circuit, had a bug. You want to blame the Muschamp Packers, whatever it might be. But we had to replace that item. We have since gotten it replaced, so we should be good Cross your fingers moving forward. So, again, I will say I appreciate you all so much, man. Rolling with the punches and being cool with everything. You know, technology is great until it isn't, but you guys continue to exert patience and, again, just rock and roll with us through it. So, again, thank you all so much for that. Guys, again, really excited to continue along the top five series as we continue to navigate through the offseason. And I tell you, we've only got a couple of these more to go, guys, and then we're going to start talking and locking in predictions, projections, Breakdown of the schedule, breakdown of position units, fall camp will be upon us, SEC media days, of course. It's going to be here before you know it. But again, really excited to talk top five best defensive linemen. Before we do, really quick, guys, just a reminder, as I told you earlier this week, there is no Tin Roof show tonight. Our friends over at Tin Roof have scheduled maintenance this week. They were closed yesterday. They're closed tonight. So again, guys, no Tin Roof show Tonight, stay tuned. Next week, we will be back at Tin Roof in the Vista. Very excited to get back out there. But the fine folks over at Tin Roof doing some work on the location. So, again, excited to get back out next week at Tin Roof. With that being said, guys, let's go ahead and dive into it. Again, we continue on the top five series today. We're talking top five best defensive linemen in Carolina football history. And there are many, many great players to choose from when it comes to this list. Before I dive into my list, I want to talk about yours, your listener responses. Who are your top five linemen? And we got a couple responses here on Twitter. Uh, at Corn Goblin says Devin Taylor, Javon Kinlaw, John Abraham, Melvin Ingram, and JD Clowney going five to one. My good friend Hustle and Crow, he says in no particular order Andrew Province, Jadavion Clowney, Melvin Ingram, Eric Norwood, and John Abraham. And that is it. That is all of our responses. Again, I do apologize for getting out the question late. I apologize for getting out the question late, but I appreciate the responses either way. And again, guys, like I said, there are so many great players to choose from. So I know there's going to be somebody you guys will be upset that I left off this list, but the beauty is in the banter. With that being said, let's go ahead and dive into it. My top five best defensive linemen in Carolina football history. Yes, this includes... Edge guys, interior guys, all defensive linemen. Now, there's some guys that played both linebacker and defensive line. For example, I did this list last year, and I had Kalimba Edwards listed at fifth. Well, Kalimba played mostly linebacker during his time at South Carolina. Another name you will not hear on this list. I want to go ahead and get it out there. 
Eric Norwood because he played more so linebacker. He stood up more and rushed the quarterback from that position than he did being down as a defensive lineman. So I want to make that clear. You might consider him a D lineman. I am considering him a linebacker for all intensive purposes. I did not want you guys to think that for whatever reason, I left Eric Norwood off of a list like this. Again, with that being said, let's dive into it. My fifth best defensive lineman in Carolina football history. And this five spot, I'll tell you what, folks, this five spot was, was one that I went back and forth on. I mean, there were four or five guys that I really argued about in my own head about, should I put this guy? Should I put that guy? Well, this guy did this and that guy did that. But when it came down to it, right, making big plays, and I looked at this individual and I looked at this player and I felt like a guy, because of the players he was surrounded by, he was extremely undervalued. Had he not been surrounded by some of the greatest defensive linemen in school history, I think he might stand out as the greatest of all time, or at least in the top two conversation. This man played at the University of South Carolina from 2009 to 2012. During his career, he had 161 total tackles. 35 and a half tackles for loss and 18 and a half sacks. He also had two interceptions and two touchdowns during his career. My fifth best defensive lineman in school history, Devin Taylor. And again, guys, Devin Taylor, a physical specimen standing at six foot seven. I really feel like a player at the University of South Carolina that was extremely undervalued. And one of the big reasons is this. He spent his last two seasons being overshadowed by Jadavion Clowney, who, again, we're going to get into a little bit later in this show, of course. But you look at the impact he had, guys. I mean, he ranks third all-time in tackles for loss at South Carolina. Had 13 tackles for loss alone in that 2010 season, a season in which he also had seven and a half sacks this dude was consistent each and every single year he was an absolute beast up front for Carolina you look at the physical build the stature they just don't make them like Devin Taylor anymore the Gamecocks need to get back to getting guys that are built like Devin Taylor and look like a Devin Taylor but Devin Taylor was an absolute freak and again guys you know I thought about guys like Cliff Matthews Kelsey Quarles even Javon Kinlaw despite what he said about the University of South on a fan base but when it comes down to production right? Consistent production year in, year out. Jadavion Clowney was always the guy on those defensive lines that got the publicity, that got the hype, that got the love. But Devin Taylor did a lot of the dirty work and his numbers reflect that. So again, for me, guys, my fifth best defensive lineman to wear the garnet in black, Devin Taylor. Let's move to number four. My fourth best defensive lineman in Carolina football history. And you talk about physical specimens, you talk about guys, some of the most athletic, maybe the most athletic player in school history when you just look at everything that he did, right? Not only was he a great defensive lineman, but rarely are defensive linemen most remembered for a play that has nothing to do with defensive line. This man is most remembered for his play on special teams. He played for the Gamecocks from 2007 to 2011 during his career, had 111 total tackles, 30 and a half tackles for loss, and 21 and a half sacks. He also had two interceptions. And of course, guys, like I mentioned, he had one of the most memorable plays in school history, a punt, fake punt, if you will, a fake punt 
against the Georgia Bulldogs back in that crazy 2011 matchup in Athens in which he scored a touchdown right before halftime, guys. My fourth best defensive lineman to wear the garnet in black, Melvin Ingram. And, and again, guys, the athleticism, it's crazy. Melvin Ingram kind of came in, was a little bit of a pudgier dude, right? Had some baby fat on him, and they absolutely turned him into a shredded monster. Did wonders for Brad Lowing. I mean, this dude was a Swiss Army knife. He could stand up. He could play inside. He could play outside. He could do it all. Bottom line is this. He was an opposing quarterback's nightmare, right? an opposing quarterback's nightmare. And you saw the athleticism in that 2011 Georgia game. I mean, like I said, there's very few times a defensive lineman is remembered for a play that wasn't on the defensive line the way that Melvin Ingram is remembered. So again, guys, for all those reasons, someone that you had to game plan around, a playmaker could absolutely change the game in just one snap, in just one play on the football. My fourth best defensive lineman to ever wear the garnet in black, Melvin Ingram. My third best defensive lineman in counter football history. And for this one, we've got to go a little bit back in time, right? During the 80s, it was all about George Rogers, George Rogers, George Rogers winning the Heisman, right? But those Gamecocks could play some damn good defense too. And this dude led the charge on the inside. He played at the University of South Carolina from 1979 to 1982 he recorded 10 sacks his senior year in 1982 setting the school's single season sack record at that time led South Carolina in tackles in 1981 and 1982 he recorded 401 total tackles 35 tackles for loss and 26 sacks during his college career he was also inducted in the USC South Carolina Athletic Hall of Fame in 2010, and he was named to the SEC Football Legends Class of 2010 as well. My third best defensive lineman to ever wear the garnet in black, Andrew Province. And again, of course, this is someone that's before my time, played in the early 80s, but you look at the numbers, you look at the statistics, he's second only to, oh, I don't know, a guy named Jadavion Clowney when it comes to tackles for loss, if you will. Um, an absolutely incredible player. What he did at South Carolina, leading that defensive front. Again, everybody just thinks about George Rogers. They just think about what they did on the offensive side and rushing the football. But, dude, 401 tackles. And excuse me, I said he was ahead of Devin Taylor. He had 35 tackles for loss. Devin Taylor had 35 and a half. So, excuse me. But both right there, both behind Jadavion Clowney. But one of the most lethal players in the history of South Carolina football on the inside, an absolute freak up front. So, again, guys, my third best defensive lineman to ever wear the garnet in black, Andrew Province. My second best defensive lineman in Carolina football history. And, again, this is a player, and I will just never understand it. This is a player that is all too much forgotten. And I've talked about this a lot, guys, over the years, and I know people squirm and they get annoyed by it. But the University of South Carolina does not do a great job of recognizing its legends. For whatever reason, we don't do a great job in recognizing our best all-time players. And this dude certainly fits the bill. We are talking about a guy that is going to be undoubtedly probably first ballot in the NFL Hall of Fame. End of story, end of discussion. He will be in camp. He played for the Gamecocks from 1996 to 1999. During his four-year career, he had 23 and a half sacks, the fourth highest total in school history. 
He earned all SEC honors his senior year and was a first-round draft pick by the New York Jets, the 13th overall selection. Oh, and by the way, his NFL career, 15 total seasons with the Jets, Falcons, and Cardinals. He went to the Super Bowl, excuse me, the Pro Bowl five times, was a four-time All-Pro selection, and he leads the Falcons franchise all-time in quarterback sacks. My second best defensive lineman in school history, John Abraham. And again, guys, it is a crying shame that you can walk around williams Bryce Stadium and you can walk around the facility and you would never know that John Abraham played at the University of South Carolina. And I know he's had some off-field stuff. I know he's had some off-field issues, but it's still a crying shame. And John Abraham was more so a victim of the teams in which he played on. You think about it, guys. His last season, the Gamecocks went 0-11. You know, John Abraham played on some of the worst Gamecocks football teams in school history. But despite that, he shined bright. And Abraham, certainly, I know he's more so well-known for his NFL career than his college career. But he is a guy that I look at as just an absolute freak, a specimen, as I've said before, a, a dude that was just an incredible athlete on the outside, a quarterback's worst nightmare, and certainly, again, that shined at the next level. So, again, guys, my second best defensive lineman to wear the garnet in black, John Abraham, which leads me to the best defensive lineman in Carolina football history. And it is, it is incredible. It's awesome to say that I got to watch this guy play in person his final year. I got to watch him every single game at williams Bryce Stadium. And to see his talent on display with my own two eyes was something that I will never forget and something that I did not and do not take for granted because it was a spectacle to see. You know, too often – we, we watch greatness, but instead of basking in it and enjoying it, we want to compare and we want to debate, and that's all fine and dandy, but be sure to recognize greatness when you are in its midst. And this man is the greatest to ever suit up and play on the defensive line. Guys, he played for the Gamecocks from 2011 to 2013 during his career. He had 129 total tackles, 47 tackles for loss, and 20 four sacks. He was also taken as the number one overall draft pick in the 2014 NFL draft by the Houston Texans. I would argue the most intimidating and imposing defensive player to ever wear the garnet and black. The best defensive lineman in the history of South Carolina football, Jadavion Clowney. And guys, we all talk about quarterbacks, right? When they're coming through the recruiting rankings or the recruiting services as they're the chosen one, right? That's the guy that's the chosen one. He's going to lead us to the promised land. Well, if that were such a thing for defensive players, Jadavion Clowney was the chosen one. And South Carolina was fortunate enough to land him and experience his services for a three-year period. I mean, this was a dude, guys, the greatest recruit in the history of recruiting, right? By far the number one overall rated recruit, the best all-time prospect the Gamecocks have ever pulled in. His ranking was perfect. His composite rating was a 1.0000. The only reason it wasn't higher is because it's not possible, 
right? It doesn't exist. Jadavion Clowney was arguably a first-round draft pick out of high school, out of high school. I mean, we all recall after his hit against Michigan, right, in the Outback Bowl, all of the talk and all the banter that preseason of folks saying, and it was true, he didn't have to play in 2013. He could have sat out the 13 season, worked on his game, did his own thing, and he still would have been the number one overall pick. But, hey, let's put the NFL stuff to the side. What is it that makes J.D. Clowney the greatest Gamecocks defensive lineman of all time? Again, guys, like I said, I would argue he's the most intimidating and imposing defensive player to ever put on the jersey. From the time he was a true freshman until he took his final snap at USC. This was a guy you absolutely had to game plan around, right? I mean, there's very few times you see it happen where each and every single week, offensive coordinators of the opposing team South Carolina would play, they had to know, hey, where is seven? Where is seven? We got to make sure we know exactly where seven is, and we got to put two if not three guys on him. I mean, the only reason I fully believe, guys, the only reason his stats dropped off in 2013, because they did, right? His 2012 year was his breakout year. I mean, one of the best seasons you we have ever seen by a pass rusher at the University of South Carolina. 54 total tackles, 23 and a half tackles for loss, and 13 sacks. I mean, you think of some of his performances in the 2012 season. The Georgia game, 35-7 to blowout win. The Clemson game, which is still a single game record for an individual player, four sacks alone for him in that football game. And think about it, guys. How good of a player do you have to be to go to SEC media days and call out opposing quarterbacks and say, those guys are scared of me, like the way he did to Aaron Murray and Taj Boyd. Like, think about how good, how insanely good You have to be. And not only did he do that and talk his talk, he backed it up. The only reason he did it and said that is because he knew how good he was. Nobody could touch him. There there has never, in my opinion, been a South Carolina player defensively that has garnered as much attention, that has demanded as much respect, and has been as much of a nightmare for opposing teams as Jadavion Clowney was. I mean, again, guys, we're talking about a guy that has a play named after him, The Hit. The Hit, right? Fans will probably forever have that still image framed in their man caves, their houses, their offices, whatever, that still image of Jadavion Clowney destroying the Michigan running back, the helmet going flying. I mean, it's just one of those iconic moments in Gamecocks football history, one that will live on forever. Right. And I tell you guys, I hope there's another one. I hope the Gamecocks and the recruiting trail are able to find somebody else that's like Clowney, that, that, that's, as, that's as imposing and intimidating as much as a threat. But I think he might be one of one, guys. Jadavion Clowney, I don't know that we'll ever see another like him, someone that's just as dominant as he was. The game looks easy. It came easy for number seven. He made 
opposing teams account for him with multiple players. And that opened up everything else for guys like Devin Taylors and Kelsey Quarles and, and Chaz Suttons and some of those other guys, Aldrich Fordham's, that we became so accustomed to seeing. But simply put, bottom line, guys, he is the best, the scariest, I mean, the most fun to watch. And I'm just grateful that I was there in 2013 to watch each and every single game that number seven took the field. So, again, guys, my best all-time defensive lineman to ever wear the garnet and black, Jadavion Clowney. So, again, guys, that's my top five. Number five, Devin Taylor. Number four, Melvin Ingram. Number three, Andrew Province. Number two, John Abraham. And number one, Jadavion Clowney. Guys, I would love to hear your thoughts, your picks, your top five. Where do you agree with me? Where do you disagree who got snubbed? Who should have been in the top five? Would love to hear from you. And again, guys, we'll continue our top five series on Friday's show and throughout the end of the June month as well. Guys, that's going to do it all for me, but we got a fantastic conversation. Do not go anywhere. Anthony Treesh of Pro Football Focus. A lot of fun talking South Carolina football. And guys, the interview is all brought to you by our friends over at Price Picks. Guys, Price Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. And it's really simple. You pick two to five players and can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi entry. It's just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sports entries, guys. So, for example, right now we've got the Stanley Cup going on, we've got the College World Series going on, we got Major League Baseball. You can play all those sports and cross all those sports over. Not only is it not punished, but it's encouraged on the Prize Picks platform. They've also got a slick, easy to use mobile app that's on the App Store and Google Play. It's also 4.8 stars rated in the App Store with rave reviews. And guys, get this not only is it easy to win money with Prize Picks, but we are giving away free money when you sign up today, guys. All of our fans, all the users that use the promo code TSUS at sign up will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 Again, guys, we are putting money in your pocket. And again, we know you like to bet spreads. You like to bet totals. You like to bet futures. That's all fine and dandy. But guys, you're missing out on this low-hanging fruit. You're missing out on the money to be made with all of these prop plays. And Prize Picks is the best place to do so. So again, guys, that's our friends at Prize Picks, prizepicks.com, and or go download, download the Prize Picks app. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS at sign up to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. And again, guys, we appreciate our friends over at Prize Picks for the love and support of the Spurs Up show. Guys, again, thank you all so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your Wednesday and enjoy this conversation with Anthony Treesh of Pro Football Focus. All right, guys, joining us today on the Spurs Up show, he's one of the best in the business at what he does of Pro Football Focus. He is the lead college analyst. I'm very pleased to be joined by Anthony Treesh. Anthony, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm happy. I'm excited. I'm excited for South Carolina football. You know, yeah, that's absolutely. not something we've been saying over the last few years, but I think <laughs> this year's got a lot of reason to be excited. Yeah, and like I was saying off air, Anthony, I, I, I really do respect you guys' work and love you guys' work, and it's always something fun to see during the college football season, of course, the NFL season, you guys are heavily focused on that. And it's really fun to see the numbers and everything. I'll ask you first things first before we dive in the South Carolina side of things. Um, in regards to the PFF ratings, the rankings, um, your, your favorite part of that is there a certain number statistic? Because, again, I feel like it's something you got to really love to, like, 
crunch all these numbers and stats. And there's some things even sometimes I'll see that I'm like, wait, what exactly does this mean? What is, what is this? What is that? But for someone that's like a football junkie, the beauty is certainly in the numbers, I would feel like, when it comes to those statistical rankings for each player and each team. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's that's the best part of the job. That's why I'm in the job. Like, that's one of my favorite things to do is to kind of synthesize data and information and, you know, kind of disperse it, the, the most important stuff. And specifically within, within college football, you have all this data over all of these guys. There's 131 FBS teams now, and we just have an absurd amount of data at our disposal. And a lot of times you'll see some guys that don't necessarily get the recognition they really deserve, and the data can help show that. So, you know, it's some of those small school guys I like to give credit to that don't necessarily get it, you know, whether it's, a, you know, a left guard from Texas State or someone from Marshall or someone on South Carolina, for example, that's a little bit underrated. Um, you know, last year, for example, Cam Smith, I thought, you know, nationally he didn't get enough recognition, and now he's starting to get it. You see some people say, oh, he's a first-round draft prospect, but January, a lot of people didn't even know who the heck he was. So, you know, he's one, for example, um, you know, it's just kind of shining light into – who deserves the credit for what what's going on in the field. So there's not necessarily one, you know, single data point, you know, all of them are have their own values. They all kind of tell a different story. Um, you know, there's ones definitely that I use a little bit more than others, you know, grades an interesting one. Um, it's probably um, one that a lot of people point to and, you know, have issues with. Um, and I'll always say it's not the be all end all, right. It's just because this guy's number one in PFF grade and the, SEC doesn't mean he's the best player at that position in the SEC. You know, it's just kind of a leading indicator, right? You know, because especially in college football, you have a, some of these, you know, in offenses, right? You have these college type of offenses where, you know, they kind of hold the players' hands quite a bit. And, you know, some NFL teams hate that because they can't get a proper read on some of these prospects. We heard it with Matt Corral all this past offseason. But, um, you know, going back to your original question, yeah. I mean, all the all the data points that we kind of put out there, they all kind of tell their own story. They're valuable in some way. Um, some of them are better kind of not, maybe not be for as forward looking as some others um, better to show what happened and not necessarily predicting what could happen. Um, but, you know, there's definitely value in data. It's just kind of interpreting that and, you know, showing what it all actually means. And that's my favorite part about the job. Now, Anthony, going back to your point about Cam Smith, because I think what's been really interesting and one of the most intriguing offseason or preseason storylines, if you will, is sort of Cam Smith's emergence, as you mentioned, as one of the top defensive backs in all of college football. I made the point on social media just a couple of weeks back how crazy it is. You know, 2020, he's this, he's this, you know, wide-eyed freshman that sort of struggled early on in his career. And then last year going in the season, you know, the secondary was obviously being retooled after losing J.C. Horn, Israel McQuamu. And we looked at Cam Smith as – you know, a nice player, but I don't think anyone looked at him as like the top defensive back in college football. And it feels like it happened so fast for a guy that we all knew had potential and had talent. But it sounds like, Anthony, you saw this a little bit earlier than people did. Just talk about Cam Smith's game. And again, I'll speak from the Gamecock perspective. For me, even, it's been crazy to watch how this time a year ago, like you said, most people didn't even know who Cam Smith was. And now I'm seeing projections and he's regarded as maybe the best defensive back or at least one of the best in all of college football. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's a good case study, right? You know, he's kind of one of them. We see it every offseason with some of these guys. And I remember um, not too after the national, not too long after the national championship game, I actually started this process in, in late December. I was ranking, you know, the top returning players at, the, at every position in college football. And with Cam Smith looking at the cornerbacks, there's some good cornerbacks in college football. Mm -hmm. um, I put him at number two behind only Eli Ricks, you know, formerly of LSU transferring to Alabama. 
I thought he was that good of a prospect. People didn't like that at first. It, <laughs> it wasn't Cam Smith's time to shine at that moment. But Cam Smith, you know, kudos to him. And I think this says a lot about who he is as a player. He was pissed that he wasn't number one. Right? I mean, he was yeah. he wanted to be the best one. I think he sent out a tweet about it, too. Um, but that's the type of player he is, right? He's mm-hmm. kind of he reminds me a little bit of J.C. Horn. You know, obviously, they're different players, but just kind of the way they play the game. They have that, you know, that dog mindset, right? They're going to get in your grill. They're not going to allow you to get open. I mean, they're going to play with that, you know, physicality and more than enough of, of the requisite of that. Um, you know, that's just kind of the type of player he reminds me of. And you look at what he did this past year. I mean, he had pretty, I mean, pretty astonishing lockdown numbers, you know, when he was on the field, kind of like what JC did up until the point where he left. So, you know, that I think he's probably, it's been, like I said, it's just been an interesting case study, his rise over the last few months without playing it down to football. Um, you know, I think a lot of people just kind of look at the, sometimes look at the helmet. Um, you can kind of see who's doing that, but you know, he was one that's been a PFF darling from the get-go um, all throughout the season, one of our highest-graded cornerbacks in college football. Um, and he's one where, you know, you look at the grade, it's one of the best, you go watch the tape, he's one of the best. You can kind of – that the tape verifies that. There's no doubt about that. So, you know, he's definitely one of the best returning cornerbacks. You know, honestly, there's an argument to me maybe he should have been number one. It's kind of splitting hairs between the two, um, you know, and even, you know, I, I think you look at the, the rest of the return, returning pack, you know, maybe he could be number three, but I think he's firmly a top three cornerback nationally. He's more than proven that. Yeah. Now, Anthony, the Gamecocks made one of the biggest splashes <clears throat> over the course of the offseason by adding quarterback Spencer Rattler, the transfer from Oklahoma. And I know he's a guy that you're fairly high on. Again, I've seen some of your work, and you've talked about Spencer Rattler and his potential and what you're expecting from him in this 2022 football season. But it's been a mixed bag. You know, I think there's some people that look at this guy – as the former five-star Elite 11, what he did at Oklahoma when he was good. And then there's others that point to, hey, well, he couldn't torch Big 12 defenses last year and he got benched. So what is South going to really getting? Where do you fall? And again, I know it, you know, it's a little bit of a spoiler. I've seen some of your work already. But when you think of Spencer Rattler, how he affects this South kind of offense and this South kind of team, what are you expecting from him? And, and, and what do you think the ceiling is for him in Columbia? You know, speaking of an interesting case study, I've never seen anything <laughs> with what's been going on with Spencer Rattler. It's kind of it's shocking how many people just think he stinks. Like, I, I don't see that at all whatsoever. I mean, I never like to use quarterback wins, but there's a reason why when he was on the field, Oklahoma went 15 and two. Right. They won the Big 12 title in 2020 with him at quarterback. And, you know, he definitely he's not the most most refined quarterback. Right. He has his flaws. Right. I mean, he does look for the home run far too often. That's kind of a, I would say you look at the biggest flaws with any college quarterback. That's one of them, right? You know, these are young players, you know, they got away with it in high school, right? Where they could just do whatever and freelance and go make a play because they're playing against far less competition. And they're adjusting that at the collegiate level. Pocket presence is another thing too, that they just kind of have to get used to facing better athletes on the defensive line, right? And just being more aware of that. That was an issue with him, but you just look at his pure arm talent that's some of the best arm talent that's come through college football over the last few years. I mean, it's truly special stuff. I mean, his release is, you know, it's absurd. I mean, he's getting the ball out, you know, flat and, you know, three hundredths of a second there or three tenths of a second. I mean, it's, it's awesome stuff. And you know, what you can do outside of the structure of the offense is, you know, a huge bonus there. You know, granted just kind of playing inside a structure sometimes taking what the defense gives him is a big con there. And I think you look at, what he did in 2021 up until the point where he got benched. And I thought Lincoln Riley 
did not trust him at all whatsoever. He took away those downfield opportunities. I mean, I remember the first game of the season. I mean, what was it? You know, first or second throw, he threw an interception against Tulane. And it was just because it was a classic Spencer Rattler thing. He, he got greedy, tried to go through the, you know, small window downfield, thought he could make a throw, couldn't do it. He's made a lot of those throws. But that time he didn't. And I think that at that point, Lincoln Riley was frustrated. He thought he was, Spencer might change a little bit and he did it. We saw those downfield opportunities kind of get paired back a little bit. I mean, we have a good uh, data tool here at PFF looking at heat maps and not just, you know, targets, but, you know, where the routes are run. You saw a pretty different Oklahoma offense this year than what it was the year before, as far as some of those downfield opportunities. And so he kind of had to live on the Deacon dunk passes a little bit, the intermediate game. And you still look at what he did. It was good stuff. You just didn't really see those big time high level throws that kind of put the Oklahoma offense over the top and, you know, led to blowouts. Right. I mean, that's why there were close calls consistently. Um, I mean, he still had one of the best accuracy rates over expectation. I mean, the negatively graded throw rate was, you know, far below, I think anything, whatever I'm at, anyone would ever imagine. And I encourage anyone to go back and watch every single throw from this past season. You look at what he did out there. You'll still say, this is one of the best quarterbacks in college football he would be starting at 128 other FBS programs throughout the whole course of the 2021 season. So expectations for him this year, I think he can be an elite quarterback still. I'm not off the Spencer Rattler train. It's kind of wild to see, you know, it, you know, this is kind of the time for the 2023 early look at the draft, right? You know, last year, Spencer Rattler, he's consensus preseason favorite to be the number one overall pick. Now you're not even going to see him in a top five quarters back, quarterbacks list, right? You're going to see guys, like Tanner McKee, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, all three who I think if I had to pick a quarterback to go win a game tomorrow, I'm picking Spencer Rattler 10 times out of 10 because he's just so much further along than they are. So it's an interesting dynamic there. A lot of people, too, talk about the off-field stuff, but we don't know that. And looking at what he is at South Carolina, they love him there. He loves South Carolina. This is a good fit. So I think this year, you know, specifically when with playing in kind of a more pro style offense, I think it will kind of unlock his full potential a little bit. Um, you know, I'm excited to see what he can do in the play action passing game there too, getting some work under center. I think that's kind of an adjustment. I, I think he's going to be in a good fit there. I think the biggest worry for me is just kind of the offensive line, but you look at his play style and it's like, well, he, he's really pretty good at under pressure stuff. So he can thrive under that. So the biggest thing is just that I'm going to be looking for early is, can he kind of play a little bit more disciplined? And I think he will. I mean, at this point in his collegiate career, this is when you start to see those, those talented quarterbacks that, you know, don't necessarily like to play like that start to come around because they understand if they want to make it to the next level, they have to do this. Um, and so I have high expectations for him. And that, that's why I look at this team as a whole, you know, at the end of the day, even like the NFL, the quarterback is still the most important piece of the puzzle. If you have an elite one, you're going to be a pretty good football team, right? I mean, that, that's just as simple as that. And you look at South Carolina, the talent around them. I mean, it's not like it's a, you know, pit of misery. I mean, they have some players around him. Um, you know, I'm excited to see what Juice Wells can do from James Madison. Um, Austin Stogner, of course, coming with him from Oklahoma. They have some guys there, Josh Van, Jaheim Bell. I mean, he has some weapons there. The defense is good with Cam Smith. So if Spencer Rattler is going to play like I think he can, I mean, this is going to be a pretty good South Carolina football team that maybe isn't going to contend for the SEC, right? I'm not saying that, but they can kind of play spoiler to some of those teams with high expectations on their schedule because it's a pretty tough one. Yeah, Anthony, I have to pinch myself at times and remind myself, hey, Spencer Rattler is the starting quarterback now at the University of South Carolina. And all credit 
goes to Shane Beamer. Anthony, I'll ask you your early impressions of Coach Beamer. Again, the Gamecocks going to year two of the Shane Beamer era. Of course, they overachieved in year one, just getting to a bowl game and, of course, waxing UNC in the bowl game to finish with seven wins. Vegas, I think, maybe still sleeping on the Gamecocks a little bit with an over-under win total of five and a half or six, wherever you see it. But your just overall impressions on the Gamecocks head coach and what he's been able to do in such a short amount of time. I mean, for, first off, I'm putting a little bit on the over there. That's <laughs> kind of shocking to me, just considering what, you know, Beamer did last year. Mm. Heck, he had to put a guy that was expected to be a grad assistant <laughs> at quarterback. That's on, still... back on the staff, by the way. Zeb Nolan's back yeah. on the staff. Exactly. I mean, it's like, do we understand what he did last right. year and still got him to a bowl victory? I mean, it's it's <laughs> astonishing stuff, man. It's, you know, what he's doing. I think more than ever, the head coaching position in college football is becoming more of – you know, a culture-based position, you know, and a leader as opposed to being in X's and obviously they're still going to have an impact in their heavy impact. You know, they're going to know the game better than anybody else that's there in attendance on the field. But at the end of the day, their most important job is making a culture, you know, a group work together with the way kind of today's society is. And, you know, social media, of course, plays a part in that. It's kind of easy to get lost, right? Because, you know, you talk to some coaches too. I've talked to them where it's like, I don't want to hype any of these guys up because I don't want them to kind of get in over their head and think they're the, the next greatest thing, right? They kind of want to temper expectations a bit to remind them this is a team and we have team goals. You look at Shane Beamer, that's him, right? I mean, he, you can see that he has built a special culture there and you can hear it out of South Carolina. And I think that's kind of the big alert there. We've heard some of the people that, that transferred in, they, they've said that. I mean, this was a big draw to them. And you know, you see some of the clips too, you know, some of the stuff they have and, you know, it's, it's not what Shane Weaver is. It, that's not easy to fake. I mean, that's a genuine stuff there. So, you know, you hear a lot of coaches too, you know, that maybe been playing, calling plays for years, many, many years, they're giving it up now to focus more on that aspect. And, you know, I think with South Carolina, they're in good hands in that regard. And you can see that he's trying to build something, you know, like his father did, you know, kind of build something special. Um, and that's where I would be most encouraged there. And you also look at the transfer stuff. I mean, he knows, knows where to go. I mean, that's a good support staff that he has at his disposal. And, you know, I mean, Spencer rather, he probably, he wasn't, that wasn't on his radar and ended up being his top spot there. And so I, I think with what Shane Beamer is doing, you know, is far beyond also the X's and O's, obviously he, again, plays a big part in that, but you know, what he's doing, bringing in the right personnel and making South Carolina a good draw again. You know, that's the most notable thing for me. So I think he's building a special staff, and I think he's, you know, a rising star, you know, in college football. Now, Anthony, before I get you out of here, I got to talk. You're way too early 2022 college football top 25. And listen, I'm high on the Gamecocks, and there's a lot of offseason momentum, positivity. After you win your last game of the year right in the bowl game, there's a lot of hype for the following season. However, you, my friend, had the Gamecocks listed 15th in your preseason top 25. Talk to me, man. What are you seeing from South Carolina? Because, you know, I, I do feel like the potential for an 8-4 and four season, which I think would be a great year in year two of Shane Beamer. I think that potential is there. But you've got the Gamecocks listed as 15th. There's something you like about South Carolina. Even I, as a Gamecock fan, saw that preseason top 25, and I raised my eyebrow a little bit and said, Really? Okay. Okay. I, I love it. I love the preseason hype. We love the preseason expectations. But what are you seeing from South Carolina? What did you see from them coming out of spring ball that makes you so confident that at minimum they're a top 25 team? 
Yeah, you know, I was doing the top 25 and it's always a useful exercise. And a lot of people like to go back like, oh, you got this wrong. You overhyped this team. I think I'm a firm believer that South Carolina is going to surprise some people, right? You know, like I said, they have a very, very tough schedule. Mm -hmm. But I think that they have the, the ammo there to, you know, put some teams on ups, upset alert. And it goes back to that quarterback position. Like I said, it's still a quarterback driven, you know, game. If you have an elite quarterback and I think, you look at the entire you know landscape of college football. I think you can count on one hand how many elite quarterbacks there are, mm -hmm. and you know it's Bryce Young of Alabama, Caleb Williams of USC, who you know took Spencer Rattler's seat at Oklahoma. Rattler's in there, and CJ Stroud. I think well, yeah, that's a whole another conversation I could talk about an hour just about CJ Stroud and you know kind of the 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 hype around there, whether it's him or everybody else. But I still think you can throw him in there definitely. Um, and then Sam Hartman's also an intriguing one. He's just perfect for what Wake Forest does. But if you have an elite quarterback, I think you're going to be a good team. And I think you go back, you know, kind of like what I was saying, just the the weapons that he has at his disposal. And you look at those guys that they're stealing. I mean, Juice Wells, you saw a little bit too in the spring game. But, you know, what he did at James Madison, I mean, we actually developed a metric here at PFF. We had one uh, a few years ago. Our R&D director of research and development, Eric Eager, did a good job with this developing a war model for college wins above average. Um, and we developed one recently for the FCS level because it's a little bit different from the FBS metric. But Juice Wells, I mean, he was one of the most valuable players in college football over the last couple of years. I think he was top five, actually. And doing that when not being a quarterback is, you know, supremely hard to do. Um, I think that's going to translate. And you look at Jaheim Bell, he can be, of course, a dynamic weapon. Everybody knows that. You saw what he did in the bowl game, which I think was probably one of the most absurd performances I've ever seen. You know, I think he ran like seven routes and he just, he like five receptions, he just blew up. Um, and then Austin Stogner, if he can get back to his old form before um, that late injury in 2020, he had a staph infection, lost a bunch of weight, and kind of threw everything off. I think he, he can get back too, and all indications are that he's kind of trending that way. I mean, you, you got a squad there, and I think, again, you have an elite quarterback you're there. The secondary is in good shape, led by Cam Smith. Um, you know, maybe they can get some of those, you know, five stars on the defensive line groomed a little bit. You see those flashes that they've had. Definitely. I mean, I was going back watching them on special teams and they, you can see it. I mean, the, those dudes can move for their size. So if they, they can develop those guys, they're in a good spot. So I think it's a lot of if with South Carolina, right? You know, some teams are maybe a little bit more established. Um, you know, like you know, NC State, I think they were in that ballpark. They're a little bit more established. I think they have a pretty well-known floor just given, you know, the team they have. But, you know, with South Carolina in particular, I just see a high ceiling football team. And I think with an elite quarterback again, you're going to get some interesting results there. It's going to be tough for some, some teams. So it, it kind of goes back to the whole theme of this conversation. I think people are very much underrating Rattler's capabilities. Again, I, I encourage anybody, go back, watch every throw from this season, go back from every throw in the 2020 season, act like you haven't heard of anybody talk about him at all, and you're going to think he's a, a special star talent because that's what he is. So that, that kind of is the driving force as to why they're a top 15 team for me. And so – I'm excited to see what they can do. I think it's gonna they're going to make for a very interesting division there in the SEC. Anthony, would you predict Rattler as a first-round draft pick right now? Yes. I think I'm probably the only one that says that, but I do think, like, even this past year, I think he would have gone a lot sooner than some people think because people are going to respect the heck out of his arm, um, even though there's some stuff to work with. But right now, I'm more confident in him playing at a first-round level than I am – you know, I mentioned Levis, Tanner McKee, Anthony Richardson. I'm far more confident Spencer Rattler getting there than them. And I, I think Bryce Young, 
he's probably going to be the first quarterback off the board. NFL coaches are going to puke when they see his footwork. But again, he's just got an absurd arm. He's small too, but CJ Stroud, he's I think no matter what happens, he's going to be a first round pick. And like I said, we can have a whole conversation about that, but I think Spencer Rattler has a, it has, I'm more confident in project, projecting him being among that pack and getting in there and somebody taking a chance on him, even if he doesn't get back to that first overall pick status. Anthony Treesh, Pro Football Focus. Be sure to check out their work. Anthony, where can people find you on social media specifically? I think probably most of our listeners follow Pro Football Focus and PFF College, but where can they find you specifically? Yeah, on Twitter, at PFF underscore Anthony. Got some stuff in there, you know. Be active this season going through. That's my favorite stuff, you know, just kind of staying up all night looking at the PFF mm-hmm. data and some of the film that we get that the coaches also get access to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so be, be sure to be on the lookout for that over at, on Twitter, at PFF underscore Anthony. Absolutely. We'll be engaging as well. Anthony, appreciate you taking the time, man. Look forward to doing it again very soon. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. He's Anthony Treesh. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. 